Hello, everybody, and welcome to That Wrestling Show, the podcast where all pro wrestling matters. I'm your host, Bill Yankovey, and this week on the show, going to be talking about the return of the War Games. Yes, the War Games are returning. Going to talk about that and a really good article that I read this week that you guys should check out. Plus, going to be getting into the latest news in the world of professional wrestling and so much more and speaking of news let's jump right into aew and dynamite that they had this past wednesday night at arthur ash stadium a really big show it was a really big show where we saw brand new AEW World Tag Team Champions crown the acclaimed, beating Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland for the tag titles. Chris Jericho beating Claudio Castagnoli to win the Ring of Honor World Championship. And I have a theory about that, which I'll talk about in a minute. And, of course, the finals of the tournament, John Moxley beating Brian Danielson as John Moxley is now the first ever three-time AEW world champion. The company's been around for well over, well, not well over, but three years, and he has been their world champion now on three separate occasions. But the big story coming out of Grand Slam is the debut in AEW of Soraya formerly known as Paige in WWE, which caught a lot of people's attention. And, you know, everyone was wondering, is she going to wrestle? She has been out of action for five years because of her neck. Uh, WWE Medical never cleared her. We don't know at this point in time. But according to Dave Meltzer, in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter this week. She has not been cleared to compete, but but would like to be. Uh, Meltzer wrote that uh, they were told that she has not been cleared as of very recently, which would explain not touching anyone, but would like to be cleared. Here's my thing about the whole thing with Soraya and if she decides that she does want to wrestle or you know if she's you know if she's medically clear look at Edge Edge had to retire in 2011 because of a neck injury it took him nine years to come back and nine years you know in that time the technology to help you know medical procedures has changed obviously and edge came back and look at where he is now page hasn't wrestled soraya hasn't wrestled in five years medical you know technology obviously has changed in five years five plus years do i think Soraya should wrestle. That there is the question. If she thinks she can be safe in the ring 
and not get hurt, then I would say give it a shot. But if the doctors say, you know, you're not cleared, then they're not going to let her wrestle. It's simple as that. She's young. She's only 30 years old. Yes, she, you know, is a veteran. But let's let's see what happens, folks. Because it was like everyone was jumping to conclusions Wednesday night and even into Thursday. Like, oh, they shouldn't be letting her wrestle. If she gets hurt, that's going to be a lawsuit. Well, we don't freaking know what's going to happen yet. She just came out for one appearance. For God's sakes. You know, can we... <laughs> like, can, can, can we at least give the woman a chance to breathe? She just came back on television for the first time in years. Like, for God's sakes, people, give it a rest. Now, I want to go back to Chris Jericho, because I said I had a theory about him winning the aid or the, the Ring of Honor world title from Claudio Castagnoli. And I had read someone say this, and I kind of agree with them on this thought. What if having Chris Jericho be your Ring of Honor World Champion helps AEW, and Tony Khan in particular, get a TV contract for Ring of Honor? Like, you have... Chris Jericho, big enough name, holding the Ring of Honor world title. And I'm not saying that's going to be the main reason, but it's going to be a good enough reason to push, you know, if I'm TNT, TBS, Warner Brothers, whoever it is, I, I would think that's a good reason to be like, okay, you've got a big name. Holding a, you know, holding a title, in this case the Ring of Honor world title, let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens. And then what they do from there remains to be seen, but that's just my theory. Some interesting news came up before I started recording today as another former Triple H guy is coming back to WWE. PW Insider reported earlier this morning that Gabe Sapolsky is back in WWE. Sapolsky was released by WWE in January. He will be working on the creative team, but it is not clear at this time if he will be on with the main roster or with NXT. He had previously worked behind the scenes with NXT from 2018 to 2022. Sapolsky posted to social media today and noted that he will still be doing Twitter spaces for independent wrestlers and promoters. In his tweet, he in his tweet he wrote, I'm sure most of you don't know the news, but I just want to let the, the Web3 community know I love them and you were there for me this year. I'm not going anywhere and we'll see you all in spaces soon. He also wrote, I am very happy to say that I will keep doing Twitter spaces for independent wrestlers, promoters, and others involved in the independents. Follow me to keep up to date on when the next one is. Sapolsky was part of a series of cuts WWE made earlier this year, 
which also included William Regal, The Road Dog, Timothy Thatcher, Danny Birch, Hideki Suzuki, Allison Danger, Dave, Dave Kapoor, Scott Armstrong, George Carroll, Ace Steel, and Ryan Katz. I'm, I'm a Gabe Sapolsky guy. I mean, I, I'm going to say it. I drank the Ring of Honor Kool-Aid when he was in charge, and even after he had left, you know. Sapolsky is one of the best minds in the business for creating a story. He knows how to create a story to have a beginning, to have a middle, to have an end. And for him to be brought back is such a big thing for WWE. I would like to see him get a shot on the main roster. I would really like to see him work a Raw, work a SmackDown, you know, put his creative input into it. Because I think if you have him there, your shows are going to be a lot better. Not saying that they haven't been better since Vince McMahon left, because, well, honestly, they have been better. But I think it's going to depend on where Triple H feels more comfortable with Gabe and what, you know, he's going to have him do. He could have him stay in Florida, work NXT, or bring him up. Have him work Raw. Have him work SmackDown. I'd love to see it. I mean, he was, you know, he was the protege of Paul Heyman when he was in ECW for so long. He booked Ring of Honor for over six years. And, and, you know, Evolve, Dragon Gate USA. The guy has a mind for the business. He has an idea for professional wrestling. And getting him involved is going to be a very big thing. And, And I really hope that a lot of the talent, no matter where he ends up, I really hope a lot of the talent goes to him, picks his brain on the creative process and be like, what should I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? I'd really like to see that happen. John Cena is in the news this week, and it is really, really, it's wonderful news, actually, because as everyone knows, John Cena um, does a lot for the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and the Guinness World Records tweeted out today that John Cena now holds the world record for the most wishes granted through the Make-A-Wish Foundation, he has granted 650 wishes. 650 wishes John Cena has granted. That is unbelievable. Um, that just shows you the character that John Cena is, the kind of man he is, um... There's nothing bad you could say as far as when he does the charity work. There really isn't. He does unbelievable work. He goes above and beyond what he's supposed to do. And I think it's wonderful what John Cena has done uh, for the kids of the Make-A-Wish Foundation and for the Make-A-Wish Foundation in general. So congratulations to John Cena on that world record. Now... One story I'm kind of surprised that hasn't been brought up this week, because I thought it was kind of important, was Colt Cabana's reply to everything 
CM Punk said at the at the media scrum at All Out. So Cole Cabana had been silent since you know since the night Punk went on that tirade in Chicago at the All Out media scrum. And one of the things that Punk talked about was how Cabana shares a bank account with his mom, which I which I honestly thought Punk had no reason to say that. There was no reason he needed to say that. So, Colt Cabana uh, sent out a tweet this week saying, My brother, who's a big shot director in Hollywood, also shares a bank account with my mom. I'm like, well, there you go. That's his reply. I'm like, that's good to me. I am... I'm fine with it, so uh, I think that puts a rest, hopefully, once and for all, to the whole thing with Punk and Cabana. Obviously, we're not going to know anything for a long time about Punk and the Bucks and Omega, but at this point, it's kind of like, who really cares? Honestly. All right. Now, WWE this week or this past week on uh, Saturday announced November the fifth Crown Jewel Saudi Arabia the main event for that one Roman Reigns defending the WWE the undisputed WWE Universal Championship against Logan Paul Yep that is a match that is a match that is going to happen November the 5th in Saudi Arabia. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that Roman Reigns is going to win that match. Keep the title. Um, But, you know, I'll say this with Logan Paul. The two matches that he has had this year. The one at WrestleMania, the tag match. And the match with The Miz at SummerSlam, it showed he could go in the ring. Like, he can wrestle. And, and, and you could tell that he's trained and, you know, he's put a lot of time and work into it. And, it, you know, it just shows. It, it really shows. Um, if he can get a third good match... This year, I will be very impressed because I thought what Bad Bunny had done last year at WrestleMania was impressive. If he could do something like that again or better, then maybe we have to put Logan Paul in the discussion of best celebrities to have ever wrestled in pro wrestling. I mean, you might have to make a legit argument for him. And I know there are people who don't like the guy, who think he's a D-bag. But, I mean, we got to give him credit where credit is due. I mean, if he can do this again, then we can't deny his ability. We can't really deny his talents. Now, the big story of the week, I think. I mean, I mean, Paige debuting for AEW was a big story. Don't get me wrong. That was a big story. But the story of the week to me in the world of professional wrestling 
is the announcement that Triple H made that at the Survivor Series this year will be the return of the War Games. And this is a big deal for a number of reasons. The first reason is we're getting War Games at the Survivor Series. That's the first thing. We're getting the freaking War Games at the Survivor Series. That's number one. Number two, the War Games are finally going to be on a WWE pay-per-view. Not NXT. Not talking about NXT. Talking about WWE. And I had, I've said a long time ago, you know, after doing um, many years ago the five-part series with uh, Black Chivalrous Nerd, watching the pay-per-views during the Invasion Angle, I always thought they did the main event of the Survivor Series wrong. I thought, after watching, you know, watching the whole thing, I always thought that last match should have been the War Games for everything. Because you were in Greensboro, North Carolina, which is Crockett territory. You could have had that match at Survivor Series. That would have been like the ultimate match of survival. The war games. Five on five. Winner take all. Now, now don't get me wrong. The, the match that they ended up having is a really good match. It really is. But could you have imagined if they had had that match, but instead of being what it was... It ended up being the war games. Well, anyway. Um, so, Triple H announced that there will be a men's and a women's war games match at the Survivor Series. And my first thought was, for the men, oh, this is going to be the bloodline. This absolutely has to be the bloodline. In the main of in that match of the Survivor Series, I don't know if it's going to be four on four or five on five. I think they should do five on five because they've got the five. You've got Roman Reigns, you've got the Usos, you've got Solo Sokoa, you've got Sami Zayn. That's your team. That's your team right there for the War Games, and then. Your other team, you could put together, you can have Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, oh, I'm trying to think who else you could put on that team for the war games, because, I mean, you could, you could make a very good team to face the bloodline at Survivor Series. And then the women's, I would imagine that's going to be Bailey and Damage Control with, I don't know who else on that team. But that has to be the other one. That has to be the other one. But I could be wrong. I mean, the Survivor Series isn't for another two months. It's Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, I can confirm that Ted, who's been on this show many times, 
is actually going to the Survivor Series. He will be in Boston the night of the Survivor Series. So he will be witnessing the war games live and in color, if you will, daddy. So, the reason why I'm kind of excited about this topic, besides it being the war games, there was a really good article written this week by Phil Schneider of theringer.com. And he did a really good article, which is up on our Facebook group. He came up with a list of the 10 best war games matches in pro wrestling history. And then, to throw a little caveat to it, he did a top five list of war game matches that were not in WWF or WCW. So he did basically two separate lists and it's absolutely fascinating. It was a really good read. Some of these matches I've never seen. I'm probably going to watch them um I'll at least try to watch them within this next week. But if you want to see the article, if you want to read the article, uh, I put it up on our Facebook group, that wrestling show fan group. It is right there. And then, um, you know, we could have a discussion on if you think what, you know, uh, what this writer thought of his top war games is better than the others or, you know, what, whatever you want to go with. But I do want to talk about, in general, some of my favorite war games matches. And there have been a decent amount of war game matches over the years. Obviously, the first one. Absolutely, the first war games. July 4th, 1987. 35 years ago. Dusty Rhodes, the Road Warriors, Paul Ellering, and Nikita Koloff against the Four Horsemen. Ric Flair, Lex Luger, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, J.J. Dillon. It's the one that started it all. It is the one that started it all. The 4th of July, the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. If that match fails... We're not talking about the war games today. Absolutely not. We are not talking about the war games. How about 1991? That war games. Phenomenal. You have Sting, the Steiner Brothers, and Brian Pillman in an all-time classic performance from Pillman against Ric Flair... Barry Windham, Sid Vicious, and Larry Zbysko substituting for Arn Anderson. An unbelievable match. And the ending to that match is so good. It is just incredible. The commentary from Dusty Rhodes and Jim Ross is absolute fantastic. And it just told a great story. It really did. And then you get the next year, 92, which, I mean, I've said this a few times. 
91 and 92 are my two absolute favorite war games because they both tell a different story because and I'll mention the teams for 92 before I get into the what they tell so you got Sting Squadron of Sting Barry Windham, Dustin Rhodes, Nikita Koloff, and Ricky Steamboat against the Dangerous Alliance. Rick Rude, Arn Anderson, Beautiful Bobby, Larry Zabisco, and Steve Austin. The two different, or the difference between both matches is really the story that it leads to. And eventually you get to the war games. Because if you look at 91, you know, 91 war games, yes, Ric Flair did win back the WCW title from Sting after the whole Black Scorpion thing. And you needed to do four on four. You had to do it with that story. You couldn't put a fifth man in there. I, I don't think you could. With 92, if you think about what the Dangerous Alliance had done from the end of 91 up to that match, they went after everybody. They went after Sting. They went after Steamboat. They went after Dustin Rhodes. They went after Barry Windham. You know, they were a mob. They were basically a mob faction. And then you get to that match, the War Games. It may be the most violent War Games that has ever existed. Because you got guys bleeding left and right. I mean, Austin bleeds. I know that's, that's not a very odd sentence to say now. But in 1992, you know, Austin bleeds... Uh, Dustin bleeds a bucket. Barry bleeds. I think Arn might have bled as well. And then the whole match itself is so... It's structured so perfectly. Because at one point, Medusa climbs up, you know, the top of the cage to help her team. And then the end of the match, which I thought is so creative. It is so creative. Zabisco takes the turnbuckle off, the literal turnbuckle, to hit Sting, accidentally hits his own guy to force the submission. It's so good. It is so good. Just, oh, and, and, and the part where Nikita comes in. I, I can't forget that part. Nikita comes in and it's like, oh, is he going to really help Sting? Is he going to really help the team? And then you get that one moment where it's like Nikita took a bullet for Sting. And that ends up kind of confirming, okay, Nikita is going to work with Sting. And once they hug, that building goes batshit crazy. And they are just, the whole building goes bananas. It is fantastic. Those two... Those two are my favorite war games of WCW. I think 
92 is just a little bit better than 91, but it's not by much. It is really, really not by much. Um, if you want to talk about uniqueness of the war games, let's talk about the 98 war games. Because that's the last one on pay-per-view that WCW did. They did one more after this one. This one is a unique war games because of A, they changed it to two teams to three teams. And B, whoever wins the fall wins the title shot against Goldberg. So, you look at the three teams, you got Team WCW, Diamond Dallas Page, Roddy Piper, and The Warrior. You got the Wolf Pack, Sting, Lex Luger, Kevin Nash. You got your heavy hitters there. And then you got NWO Hollywood, Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, and Stevie Ray. Let's not, you know what, let's give it up to Stevie Ray. He was in the main event of a pay-per-view. Let's give it up to Stevie Ray. But that one is so unique because while, in a way, you advertise the match as it's three teams of three going into the war games, you're also kind of advertising that it's everybody for themselves, in all honesty. What you're advertising is we're going to have this match, two two rings surrounded by a double cage, and it's going to be war games, but if you get the fall, you as an individual win the match, which is very different. So, and then NXT... Uh, the first one, where they did the, th- the, th- the teams of three, but they did it where the first team won. That was really good. I was a big fan of the one that they had in Chicago, where it was Undisputed Era against Ciampa, Ricochet, Pete Dunne, and a mystery partner, and the mystery partner ended up being Kevin Owens. I really liked that war games. I really enjoyed that one. Um, and then if you want to talk non-WCW, non-WWE, there's two or three that come to mind when you talk about the war games, or, or at least the style of the war games. The first one is CZW, when they did Cage of Death 5. Now, technically, that's not really the War Games, but it has a mix of the War Games in it, where you had two teams, everyone was going to enter you know, in, in timed intervals, but the, the rule to that match, which was different, was... Because the cage, you had two cages. 
you had a cage surrounding the ring, and then you had a cage above the, you know, like above the, almost above the arena. It's like a pathway. It's a walkway. And it's like steel fence. And then you have a second ring, which is with a million thumbtacks. And that one is incredible. But the one they do the next year, many people will tell you, it is the greatest cage of death match of all time. And I agree with them. Because that one is under War Games rules. You have Blackout. Ruckus, Sabian, Eddie Kingston, and for one night, Jack Evans against Chris Cash, Spider Nate Webb, J.C. Bailey, and Sexy Eddie. That match is unbelievably well done. And I, I watched that match about a month ago. Still holds up to this day as an incredible match and a really good homage, a good tribute to the war games. And if you think about the people that were in that match, I mean, let's look at Blackout first. Ruckus ends up becoming CZW World Heavyweight Champion, and he becomes a big independent star, makes it the Ring of Honor. Sabian ends up pretty much winning all the titles in CZW. Junior Heavyweight Title, World Heavyweight Title, Tag Title, currently in the NWA, making a name for himself. Eddie Kingston, look at where he's gone. He's wrestled all over the world. He's currently wrestling for AEW on national television every week. And and by the way, I, I wanted to say this real quick, speaking of Eddie Kingston, if you haven't seen it yet, there is an absolute wonderful video that you need to watch uh, about suicide awareness. Eddie Kingston talks for nine minutes. It is absolutely wonderful. It's a wonderful video to watch. Please go watch it. But that man, you know, Eddie Kingston, he becomes huge. He becomes very popular. And like I said, he's now working in AEW. Then you have Jack Evans, who travel, who has traveled all over the world, gone to Japan, gone to Mexico, gone to Europe, wrestled in Impact, Ring of Honor, AEW. The only place he hasn't really worked at is WWE, but he's worked at some of the biggest promotions in the world. And then if you look at the other team, Chris Cash, I believe was going to be the next big CZW star before his untimely passing in 2005 from a motorcycle accident. I really think he was going to be the next big CZW star for that company. J.C. Bailey ends up becoming a great deathmatch wrestler before his untimely passing from drugs. Spider Nate Webb should have had, I think, more opportunities. Yes, uh, you know, he, he, he was in the CZW Ring of Honor angle, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. Wrestled on Wrestling Society X. 
But that's really about it. And that's a shame because he was so talented, so entertaining. I liked him. And then Sexy Eddie. Oh, my Lord. Sexy Eddie. What can you say about him? Uh, I kind of put him in the same boat with Nate Webb. He should have been bigger. Sexy Eddie should have been a bigger name. Really should have. I don't know why. Just never got the opportunity, I guess. And then the final war games that I want to mention that I really like is CZW and Ring of Honor from Death Before Dishonor. One of the craziest matches you will ever see in your life. It is the perfect conclusion to an invasion angle that WWE wishes they could have pulled off. See, that's why you got Gabe Sapolsky now in WWE. If you wanted to do an invasion angle, just give it to Gabe Sapolsky. He knows how to do it. That match is so well done. There's no commentary on the match. No commentary. A terrific story is told in two parts. And then the conclusion is absolutely crazy. And then what happens post-match is even crazier. But it is still an amazing, brutal, violent match that should just be talked about. And it's a it's an all-time classic. And the ta- again, the talent. Let's talk about the talent in the match. So you got Team CZW, Chris Hero, Claudio Castagnoli, Eddie Kingston, Nate Webb, and Necro Butcher. Team ROH, Ace Steel, Adam Pierce, BJ Whitmer, Brian Danielson, Homicide, and Samoa Joe. Now, I'm sure you're wondering, why does Team Ring of Honor have one more member than Team CZW? Well, during the match, Daniel Danielson leaves the match. He, he just gets up, leaves the match after beating up Samoa Joe. And the story, oh my god, that story is so well told. It is. Because when Homicide's music comes on, that building goes crazy. And he comes out and it's like he saves the day. But look at, like I said, look at the talent there. I already talked about Kingston. I already talked about Nate Webb. Chris Hero. Internationally well known. Claudio Castagnoli. Internationally well known. Necro Butcher becomes a cult-like icon of professional wrestling. Still loved to this day. A Steel. We know what happened before that night in September. Adam Pearce makes it all the way to WWE. He's on TV as kind of an authority figure. BJ Whitmer, working backstage at AEW. Brian Danielson, we all know what with him. Homicide. Works impact, you know, a lot. He's still going to this day. Samoa Joe, we know what happens with him. Basically, every single individual in that match ends up becoming something. And I think that's a very important thing with the war games is you've got to have somebody or anybody become a big star coming out of the war games. I mean, I, all right, let me go back to the two that, you know, the two that I like the most. 91, Brian Pillman ends up becoming this huge star just for his performance. Look at 92, Steve Austin. 
he starts the match is in there the entire time. That's a breakout performance. Same with Dustin Rhodes. That's a breakout performance from both guys. And that's the thing about war games you have to watch is because if you got somebody there in that match that you're not expecting to be something, to be a big name, they could have a performance and their stock will go sky high. But I'm, I'm glad... I'm glad the war games are coming back. They're going to be at the Survivor Series. And it's just going to be absolutely fun Thanksgiving weekend with that one. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. So let's get into the plugs. If you guys have any questions or comments, send an email. Wrestlingman at thatwrestlingshow.com. If you got any questions or comments you want me to read, I will read it on the air. I, I'm I'm going to answer them. I will answer them. Um, go to our Twitter, Wrestling Show 11. Follow us there. Follow us on Instagram, That Wrestling Show. And join our Facebook group, That Wrestling Show Fan Group. There is over 500 members on our Facebook group. Go check it out. Now, check out the podcasts that... You know, some of them are friends of the show and others that you guys should check out, starting with our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, Joe Marotta and Michael Quinn. This week in their True False segment was Shawn Michaels' second run better than the first run. Plus, they review the War to Settle the Score. They do a live watch-along of the War to Settle the Score, which leads to the main event of the first WrestleMania. Now, I read today that they made an announcement on their Patreon page. Again, they're the only podcast that's going to get this, the, 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 the plug of their Patreon page. I have not heard what this announcement is, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out when we're done. And knowing Joe and knowing Michael, it's going to be a pretty good announcement. I, I just got that feeling it's going to be a pretty good announcement. But check them out anyway, our vantage point. Also check out GFA Live with Peter Winson and Don Keithy as they get closer and closer to SummerSlam 1992. They watch another episode of WWF Superstars from August of 1992. That is this week on GFA Live. Check out Juice Pro Wrestling, where this week they sit down and have an interview with the Dirty Daddy himself, Chris Dickinson. Check out that interview. Plus, and I can actually tell you guys this, on our Facebook page, we were given the wonderful honor, thank you Justin for doing it, of give, or listening to Chris Dickinson's playlist on Spotify. I, I guess it's the songs he listens to when he works out. So check it out. It is the Juice Pro Wrestling Podcast. And check out the Memphis Continental Wrestling Cast with Sir Luke Jennings as he watches classic Memphis wrestling each and every week. Now, if you're looking for non-wrestling related podcasts, check out the Best Pick Movie Podcast with Tom, John, and Jess. This week, they discussed the 1987 movie RoboCop. Yes, Ed, they discussed RoboCop. I know you want him in the WWE Hall of Fame. I don't think it'll ever happen, but I could be wrong. 
but listen to it anyway. Best pick movie podcast. Also, check out Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, where this week they go back into the archives for an interview with Dr. Demento. That is this week on Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Also, check out Escape from Vault Disney, where this week they watched an episode of Hannah Montana. I don't know if I should have sympathy for that or not. But they watch Hannah Montana, the episode we're all on this date together. Check it out. Escape from Vault Disney. Also, check out Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast where I watch and review each and every South Park episode. This week, I reviewed the season 16 episode, Going Native. That is this week on Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast. And finally, if you want to hear me Going through a classic video game, check out Bill Learns Kingdom Hearts with myself and Jim as we are going along through Kingdom Hearts 2. And also check out on Wednesdays uh, a special mini-series of Jim reacting to Kingdom Hearts Dark Road. I'm not allowed to listen to it, folks, so I'm keeping my end of the bargain. I will not listen to it, but check it out anyway. Bill Learns Kingdom Hearts. Well, we had an exciting news week in the world of wrestling. Uh, Hope you guys enjoyed this week. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And come back next week for another episode of That Wrestling Show, the podcast where all pro wrestling matters. And as always, wrestle on.